Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Do Go On is brought to you by our upcoming UK and Irish tour, which is kicking off in two and a half weeks. Would you believe it, Matt oh and Jess? Oh, my God. I believe it. It's so soon. Coming I'm up so, so excited. Soon. I'm so excited. We are hitting up Dublin for the first ever time, and we've just added in a once-off stand-up show, the only show of the tour we're doing of this at the Sugar Club, directly before our uh, podcast, which is nearly sold out, but the stand-up tour just went on la- sale last week. We should have done it after because then if the stand-up goes badly, we have to stick around and do another show for them. Stand-up's not going to go badly. And you should say, Dave, that it's it's, um, a much smaller capacity on the stand-up show. That's right. Limited seats for the stand-up show. So if you want to get involved, you can hit up uh, dogoonpod.com. We can get tickets for our shows in Dublin, Glasgow, Leeds, Bristol, two shows in London and one in Birmingham. And I'm also doing a solo stand-up hour in London at the Bill Murray on the 7th of December. And you can get tickets via mattstuartcomedy.com slash gigs. And that's a Saturday night. Saturday late, yeah, early evening. So plenty of time for a couple of brewskis afterwards. You 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 want to come, Jess, Dave? You going to come? You going to come to the show? I'll be there clapping on the side like I was last year. (laughs) I'm going to see if I can. Um... I might Check. be busy. Yeah. yeah. See if I'm in the same city. Hey, well, night. tickets selling fast, so get in quick, Jess. Uh, I might just miss out then. 
Oopsie. Right. Oh, no, I'll sa- look, gone. I'll save you a seat. Okay. There's on save, but put one aside for you. Dave? <laughs> You'll look out onto that seat. Yeah, I've got, I've got a card saying Jess sitting on there. It's already there. they got a month of shows in between now and then. But no one's sitting in that seat. It's costing you a fortune. <laughs> All right, guys, do go on pod.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello, I'll be playing the character of Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins tonight. Well, okay. Uh, I'd, first of all, I'd like to say hello to Jess. Hello. Uh, second of all, I'd like to say hello to Matt. Hello. <laughs> and uh, how's Dave Warnicky doing? Oh, I'm not too bad. I'm a little Dave Warnicky. <laughs> wow, the man of two voices there. I'll cut you off there, Pilgrim. <laughs> I'll be playing the role of stagehand. Get that away from me. The stagehand. Thank you. Uh, my, favorite and part, scene. my favorite part about that is uh, seconds before we hit record, Matt said, all right, let's just cut through the bullshit tonight. Yeah, can you edit all of that out? I felt awful about that. That doesn't get us out of here any quicker tonight no. in the room. You know, when I say and scene, that's that's an ironic thing on a, on a hack premise. I'm making, I'm, you know, I'm taking that. And let's get on with the show. <laughs> I like watching Matt have a breakdown. <laughs> Me too. Just let him go. It's fun. Dave's breakdown's less fun. Oh, much less fun. But also much less frequent. <laughs> hey, much if you like violent. If you like hearing me have a breakdowns, I've started a third weekly podcast. <laughs> Moron. Is that why you're having a breakdown now? I think so. I've just realized how much work it is. But this new one's been so much fun. It's called Listen Now with Matt and Sam. And it's a music podcast where we go through the back catalogues of the world's most important rockinest bands, starting with Australia's pub rock icons, Cold Chisel. And uh, like a lot of listeners probably don't know them. They're big in Australia, but didn't really break huge overseas. But we explain all that in the show. So you can listen without knowing them. And uh, I would say you really should. And when should we listen? Surely it comes out like early in the week, Mondays, I think. I'm setting you up for Listen Now, the title oh. of the podcast. Oh, yeah, they should listen now because there's already. Um, <laughs> you there's... tried. I mean, come on. I oh, know. You did your I, best. I genuinely had trouble. That was an alley oop, but he caught it, looked at it, and took a bite. And you I, know? I threw the deflating ball into the crowd. <laughs> no, I didn't. I kicked it. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, listen now because there are, I think there'll be four episodes out. We've gone through the first. Um, I think this week, although uh, we've just done the classic album East, which was their big, huge breakthrough album in Australia. It was a real hit record. I think seven times platinum. Jesus, that's, that's successful. Yeah. That's success. Good on them. Yeah. Oh, so good. I reckon. Going to go see them in January. That's exciting. Can't wait. That's very exciting. And it's hosted with uh, my cousin Sam. And she's she's never done a podcast before, but we're having a real bloody good time. That's great. That's all that matters. Mm. I was going to say the real winner is friendship, but your family. Yeah. The real winner is family. Friendship yeah. is thicker than water. You know what I mean? Oh, I could not agree more. I'm thinking about flour. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dave, what's this show? Well, what this show is, a show that we take on the road, and I just want to quickly say, because we're about to go to the UK for the second time yes. in a couple of weeks, but we've just released, it's taken a whole year to edit together <laughs> our tour diary from last year's UK show. And when yeah. we say we edited it together, Steph Munro-Smith did, 
a fantastic job. She's done an awesome job. I've been told. I have not been able to bring myself to watch it. No, I've watched it because I think it's so well put together that I've watched it again recently. Was busted watching myself at work. Oh, that's of course, when someone came up, I... On my iPhone, it was me front and centre. Of course. It could have been one of you two, but no, it was me. Um, so it's in two parts. It's on YouTube now, and people have been uh, loving looking at our faces out there in the world. To be honest, Dave, odds are, if they came in at any point, it would have been you in front and centre, jumping up in front of Jess, hogging the stage time, the screen time. Yeah. How else do you get ahead in this dog-eat-dog business? Yeah, that's it's true, a, it's actually, yeah. getting your head in the middle of a YouTube video. Yep, that's how you do it. That's, that's, how, that's how all the greats started. I've already secured six auditions. Wow. Wow. That's more than I've had in the last two years. <laughs> now, wow. the way this show works is <laughs> one of the three of us uh, choose a topic, often helped by the listeners, um, and then we research it, bring it back to the other two, tell them all about it. They don't know what it is, and they sort of annoy us a bit by chipping in with dumb questions like idiots. And hopefully it's all a good fun time. This week, Jess Perkins, comedian and radio f- radiographer, yeah. is uh, doing the topic. Yep. And she mm-hmm. she's about to get us on the topic with a question. And the question is, Jess. The question is, who is famous for the quote, a dingo ate my baby? Oh, I know that it was on The Simpsons. It was um, on The Simpsons? <laughs> Dave, do you remember her name? I'm blanking. Oh, genuinely? I thought the question was too easy. Are you both blanking? Oh, man. I, um, a dingo ate... For some reason, I'm imagining Pauline Hanson, which is so incorrect. Uh, oh, my God. I thought... Meryl Streep played Chamberlain. her. Yes. Lindy Chamberlain. Lindy Chamberlain. Yes, that's correct. Meryl Streep played her, which is wild to me. Do you know, have you seen it? Did she know the Aussie accent? Because not... she would. She would, right? She would. If anyone can do it, it's Meryl. It was no. young Meryl. And obviously that's why I watched. Was it I was 80s like, Meryl? I want to hear... Yeah, 88. I want to hear how good a job she did with the accent. It's not bad. It's not great. Really? Didn't quite nail it, Damn. but it's... But I don't... You know, good, good on her still. Well, the Australian accent's very varied. I don't think you can just say someone hasn't nailed it just because they speak a little differently from you, Jess. Well, no, but when the words are quite American, they haven't quite nailed it, <laughs> yeah. have they? Um, I do have a fun fact about that later that you might know, but I didn't know and it blew my mind. Well, So I'll tell you about that later. Cool. Oh. But yes, so this has been um, suggested surprisingly only by a couple of people. Grace Brooks and David Brown suggested this, um, and I put it to the Patreons. The Patreons voted... Uh, and then it was tied, and so then I sent them another message. I was like, hey, guys, it's tied. If you haven't voted, vote. And then it, it was tied for an incredibly long time. So a lot of people wanted this. A lot of people wanted something else. Well, It's exciting. That's exciting. It's exciting time. The and second do you one, think that was Brian Brown's son who suggested it? I, I could only assume yes. How many Browns do you know? <sighs> you know? There's the weatherman David Brown, and then there's famous Australian icon mm-hmm. Brian Brown. Yes, who we assume are related. Yeah. Who's Brian Brown? They're the only two shades of brown. Brian Brown. Who's in Cocktail. He's like, he's, he's, like, he's the token Australian in movies. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Yes. No, you're thinking of Hugh Jackman. Am I yeah. thinking you're the right person, Brian <laughs> yeah, Brown? Yeah, Brian Brown, who was in Cocktail with Tom Cruise. He was in an episode of the, a few episodes of The Good Wife as a little love interest. To, um, Is he Australian in it? Because I don't think he can yeah, do he's accents. Yeah, he's an Australian. Oh, uh, Brian Brown. Brian yes. Brown. He's he's in every everything American where they need an Australian. Tony Martin and Mick Malloy had a CD called The Brown Album, Ward. and on the back it had like a painting color chart with all different shades of brown, and one of them was Brian Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That is fun. Is the last one was blue. Very couple of very funny bits. That's On a good. they make a piece of paper funny. How do they do it? How do they do it? 
Is Brian Brown in the Lindy Chamberlain movie? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, Bud Tingwell's in there. Oh, is he? Bud. Bud. I only Wait. I haven't I didn't watch the whole thing because um, I, I couldn't find I could have I'm sure I could have illegally watched it online but I didn't I was just looking at YouTube clips and Bud Tingwell plays a judge and I was like of course <laughs> so if it, so for American or, or English listeners or you know Icelandic or whatever listeners um, I put the rest of the world into the whatever category um, if you there was a, I think about a 50 year period where legally you weren't allowed to call it an Australian film if Bud Tingwell mm. uh, Brian Brown or Jack Thompson wasn't. Yeah, here. if and if you had all three, you were going to win awards. Yeah, you win. But you have to have at least one for it to be legally referred to as an Australian yeah. film. That's right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a whatever film. Yeah, I don't like. What is this? What uh, is I don't understand. Uh... It's actually called a TV show. <laughs> yeah, but for it to be an Australian film, it had to have Bud Tingwell and Meryl Streep in it. Yeah. Um, this one also has Sam Neill. Anyway, uh, I'll talk a little bit about that film Another later. Another great Austral- Australasian. <laughs> yes. Claim him. Claim him. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Lindy Chamberlain. Yes, yes. So this topic, I know, um, obviously very famous in the incredibly famous history, but also at the same time, I don't know too much about it. Yeah, you kind of know bits and pieces. It's a name that we know having grown up because this happened way before our time, Dave, and just before Matt, um, uh, barely. Oh, just before the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Before yeah. Matt's fiftieth. Um. <laughs> yeah. So just before, sorry, just before Matt's memory started to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was. It's it's definitely Lindy Chamberlain is a name that uh, all Australians know, but you might not know much of the details of the case. There was a Simpsons joke, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, there the was. Dingo eating my baby. Um, in the probably uh, in the Australian app. Yes, but it's something like Bart's talking to the Prime Minister or something, and he says on the phone like, uh, "Is that is that a dingo eating your baby?" Right. And there's also an Elaine on Seinfeld. A dingo ate my baby. <laughs> it's like, okay, and I, I, I imagine by the end of this episode we'll be like, wow, that was really inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insensitive. Yeah. Um, but uh, away we go. So on the 16th of August in 1980, Michael and Lindy Chamberlain and their three children, Aiden, who was six, uh, Regan, who was four, and Azaria, who was two months old, arrived at Uluru for a family holiday. Um, and Uluru, for any international listeners, you've definitely seen pictures of it, but it's a big sandstone rock in the middle of uh, of the country in central Australia. Um, in the past, it's also been referred to as Ayers Rock. Uh, it's been in the news a lot recently because they've just closed the climb of it. You're not allowed to climb it anymore. Um, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of tourists flocked to it to be the last to climb it, even though the Indigenous people had very nicely asked people not to for a very long time. And now it's closed and you're not allowed to. Anyway, um, I also I did read there was a news article. Um, this guy was called Jason from Las Vegas, J-A-Y-S-O-N. And Cannot wait to hear his opinion. He wanted, he wanted to be the last to climb it, um, even though he'd already done it once before in the 90s, and even in the 90s was aware of the Indigenous people saying, please don't. Um, but he was like, nah, but it's a good view up there. Um, and he also, <laughs> throughout, the nah, enti- in the, throughout the entire article, kept referring to it as Ayers Rock. Like, even though he's very much aware, it's not really, we don't call it that. So he seemed cool. Seems cool. Do you have his number? Yeah. <laughs> Jason. Jason. Good anyway. Jay, son. Son of Jay. Son of Jay. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah, Uluru, a very popular tourist attraction, and that's where the Chamberlain family had chosen to spend their holiday. So they left their home three days earlier, travelling from Mount Isa in, in northern Queensland and driving down to central Australia to Uluru. And they arrived late on the 16th of August, set up camp, and the next day Michael took the boys to climb a portion of the rock while Lindy stayed back at the camp with the baby. Um, she was only a couple of months old. That night, the evening of the 17th of August, the Chamberlain family gathered around the communal barbecues near their campsite and chatted with another family who were also camping nearby. The other family were Greg and Sally Lowe, a young couple also camping with their infant child. So they're just, like, hanging around at the communal barbecues, having a chat. Making friends. Having some dinner, keeping it low-key, you know, real chill. Um, around 8pm, as Sally Lowe was uh, cleaning up after dinner and she walked to a rubbish bin, she um, turned and saw a dingo following her about four or five paces behind her. Um, shortly after, Michael Chamberlain was entertaining Aidan by tossing scraps of food to another dingo that was hanging around at the campsite. And at another point, Aidan was chasing a mouse around the campsite and, and a dingo pounced on the mouse. Right, so they are everywhere. Yeah, so just to state the obvious, there are dingoes around. Quite a lot of them. Have you explained what a dingo is? It's like a dog. Yeah. It's a wild dog. It's Australia's native dog. We've got one of each. One Australian native everything. Are they? Macadamia, Australia's native nut. Uh, platypus. Australia's native uh, monotreme. Monotreme. Mm. Shared that title with the echidna. Yep. I feel like maybe I learnt this at Healesville Sanctuary, but I could be remembering wrong. They're either like solo animals or packs. I don't remember. Yeah, I think that's true. Is this dingoes? <laughs> yeah. Or platypus? I have a feeling because you would think because uh, they're, they're dogs, dogs they'd just... be packs. Yeah. So I think the reason it stayed in my head was because they're actually like lone wolves but dogs. Do right. you know what I mean? <laughs> lone dogs. I think it's definitely true that they're either solo or pack animals. Yeah. They either move in groups or alone. Right. So, what? There's no couples. Mm. No. Okay. <laughs> Orgies or, <laughs> or solo lonesies, <laughs> which is what I call solo wanking. <laughs> <laughs> this time for a bit of lonesies <laughs> next to the campfire. Oh, a bit of lonesies. Oh, yeah. I've just Googled it. National yes. Geographic says these golden or reddish colored canids may live alone, especially young males, or in packs <laughs> yes. of up to 10 animals. Just remember that perfectly then. See? I nailed that. And I haven't been to Hillsville Sanctuary for years. Wow. I should go back. It's a great spot. Great spot. Anyway, um, Regan, the four-year-old, was already sleeping in a tent and Lindy took baby Azaria to the tent to make a little bed for her and put her down to sleep. And after getting Azaria to sleep, Lindy returned to the barbecue area with her husband and son and the other couple. Um, so they were just hanging out. And a little while later, uh, they heard the baby cry and, and Lindy got up to go and check on her. And then those famous words... My God, the dingo's got my baby. And thus began the most famous and publicised trial in Australian history that would last for decades. My God. It's... it's, One more time, what's the famous quote? What does he exactly say? uh, My God. I think it was twice. My God, my God, the dingo's got my baby. Wow. Um, So the alarm was raised and police were called. Frank Morris was the first investigator to arrive and he shone a light across the floor of the Chamberlain's tent where he noticed blood on one of the rugs. And there were paw prints which led away from the uh, tent entrance. Tent entrance is hard to say. Entrance to the tent. Tentrance. Mm. Tentrance. 
Um, but the the tracks faded as they hit the road where the paw prints sort of mixed in with shoe prints from humans walking all along. So they kind of lost the track. Um, they enlisted the help as well of, of Aboriginal trackers um, who followed the dingo prints and saw drag marks in the sand. In two places, um, there were sort of shallow depressions in the sand, sort of looked like where something had been put down for a bit. Um, they reckoned apparently while the dingo just had a rest. Right, but that's... Who knows? Um, and in a couple of those sort of little marks uh, in those, those depressions, it contained the imprint of a knitted garment. Um, so they're thinking, well, I mean, that seems to be pretty logical. Um, close to 300 people went out into the scrub with torches to see if they could find baby Azaria, and they formed a human chain and searched through the bush, but no sign of the baby or the dingo. And fairly quickly, the police started to have doubts about the dingo story. Um, there were at least three men initially assigned to the case. So there was Inspector Michael Gilroy, and he believed the Chamberlains. He accepted their story. Frank Morris, the guy who was first on the scene, he didn't really make any calls just yet. And there was a guy called John Lincoln. And according to uh, uh, John Bryson's account in Evil Angels, which is a um, book written about it, uh, John Lincoln didn't believe the dingo story, and he said, not a chance, never happened before. There's a fact you can't beat. Never ever happened. It's like well, that. I mean, what about the phrase "it's the first time for everything"? Mm. Yeah, I don't think you can. I don't. I mean, I don't think that they what weren't they like a unicorn took it. You know, they suggesting that they they faked the blooded dog footprints. Yeah. Somehow. Yep. Yeah, I've never heard it said like that before. That sounds. Yeah, that's pretty... open and shut to me. Yeah. Oh wow, the dingo took the baby, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's a. It's a a very it's a weird case. Um, so Gilroy, like, so this guy John is like, it's never happened before, so it can't be real. But then uh, Gilroy, what was his first name? Michael. Michael Gilroy noted that even though none before had been fatal, there had been a series of recent dingo attacks in the park on children, like little bites and stuff, little bites, nothing yeah. fatal, but. Dingoes had kind of attacked people. So he's like, well, I don't think that's entirely fair. Um, in fact, for the two years before Azaria went missing, Uluru Chief Ranger Derek Roth had been writing to the government urging a dingo cull and warning of imminent human tragedy. He had noted that dingoes in the area were becoming increasingly cheeky, approaching and sometimes biting people. For two years he's been writing to the government wow. saying that the dingoes are biting people and then... Somebody claims that a dingo has taken a child and they're like, nah, how? Never Not possible. It gets, it gets pretty ridiculous. Um, so John Lincoln then scoffed at the possibility that the dog could lug a 10-pound baby o- over hundreds of yards. And apparently to prove his point, he filled a bucket with 10 pounds of sand and tried to carry it in his mouth. <laughs> but he could only do that for like less than a minute. Was he doing it on all fours? Okay. Yeah. I've got doubts now. Yeah, because human mouth. He was, this officer was a dingo as well, wasn't he? <laughs> no, but oh. human mouth, incredible. It's the same as a dog mouth, isn't oh. it? Oh, okay. I mean, I we pick everything that. up with our mouths yeah, too, no, don't that we? That's true. Yeah. Excuse me, Officer Dingo, Officer Dingo. <laughs> Imagine. Hello? It's like Officer Woof. Ah, Officer Woof. Officer Woof. <laughs> That's who they should have got on this case. Yes, get Officer Woof. They should have put the 10 pounds in that in that, that dog's mouth. Yeah. Oh, Officer Woof in the little basket. So, if this dingo couldn't carry 10 pounds in his mouth, I'm like three times the size of a dingo, so I should be able to 
carry 30 pounds in my mouth. Yeah. All right, here I go. <laughs> I can't do it. No, you can't. What a weird way to prove your fucked point. And he, so he was an employed policeman. Yeah, he was one of the investigators, yeah. So that feels good, doesn't it? People are crying about their baby being probably killed by a dingo, and he's like, Nana, watch me carry the sand with my mouth. Yeah, trust me. I'll just prove you. <laughs> so a week after Azaria's disappearance, a tourist named Wally Goodwin um, was visiting Uluru and set out for the, a gully at the base of the rock, hoping to take some photos of wildflowers. Seems like a very pleasant day for Wally. Um, and he spotted shredded clothes resting near a boulder, and upon closer inspection, they proved to be a torn nappy and a jumpsuit. So he reported his discovery to Constable Morris, who arrived to collect the evidence. And the jumpsuit was bloodstained around the neck, indicating the probable death of the missing child. Right. And then John Lincoln was like, look, I'll try and rip a nappy with my mouth. Yeah. And let's see how I go. Let's see how that goes. But the bucket, you guys. The bucket. He also couldn't even tear up in a nappy. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh... So I don't know what, what it was, but it wasn't a dingo and it wasn't a human. <laughs> it was something <laughs> in between. It was Grizzly a bear? So on August 28th, but, That's my birthday. But far too, but like 10 years before you. Detective Sergeant Graham Charlwood took Does over the Chamberlain investigation. That Macaulay Culkin was born that week. Yep. Macaulay Culkin is two days old at this point, but Whoa. with the time difference, he's probably like a day old. Less Whoa. than 24 hours, is he I reckon. somehow? What? I mean, I can't prove that he wasn't. Okay. Well, so no spoilers. And, uh, no spoilers. Carry a copy of Home Alone on DVD in my mouth and see, <laughs> see? how far. I in can DVD, go. yes. VHS, Tape, yeah. yeah. VHS, too heavy. Come on, mate. Too heavy. DVDs. <laughs> this modern man over here. Trying <laughs> to carry a VHS of a movie that won't be filmed for about. When did VHS beta. come out? Oh no, beta. Do you have any idea when VHS came out? It feels like VHS lasted a really long time. Then we got DVDs, so that phased out VHS. But DVDs didn't last that long because then we just. Hmm. I feel like they probably. It feels like they lasted a similar amount of time. I have no idea. I reckon it's slightly less for DVDs. I mean, you can still get DVDs. I mean, why? Do you know what I mean? Imagine having a having a need for a DVD. Oh, everything I need is just from the internet. Um, and if it's not on uh, any of the streaming services that I have, then it's not worth watching. Then it doesn't exist. That's yeah. my... It's been deleted from history. That's my thinking. So, okay, Detective Sergeant Graham Charwood is on the case, and he read Inspector Gilroy's initial police report and found some things to be rather suspicious. Oh, okay. Um, I've read the report too. It includes tidbits of information that don't seem particularly relevant to the case. It talks about when Azaria was born and Lindy's apparently weird behaviour at the hospital. So this is uh, this is from the report. It says, when bringing the baby in for a checkup, she astounded the sisters by having the baby dressed completely in black. A doctor who treated the baby said that she did not react like a normal mother. Whatever that means. Okay. The same doctor said that he looked up the name Azaria in a dictionary of names and meanings and found that it means sacrifice in the wilderness. Oh, my God. Actually, the name means whom God aids. But in the police report, he noted down that a doctor looked up the name and it meant sacrifice in the wilderness. Azaria does? Yep. Oh, that sounds bonkers. But it doesn't mean that. That the doctor, like... I know. And that they put it in the police report that she wasn't... That when she went in for a checkup after the baby was born... She wasn't. She did not react like a normal mother. What does that mean? It's that, completely is that a irrelevant. New doctor? 
It just feels like over time you'd probably notice that people react to things differently. Oh, but they did. She did dress the baby in black, so that's suspicious. Yeah, big Metallica fan. I could. Metallica so- hadn't released an album yet. She was ahead of the curve. Yes, yeah. they love Black Sabbath. Yes. Within five years, he'd be kicking himself. Black was Azaria's color. Yeah. She looked cool in it. Yeah. Whatever. Black is forever. It was a Melbourne baby. Yeah, she's trendy. Uh, Hepburn, hello. Mm. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Also a thinning colour. Yeah, she's a little chubby. Yeah, some babies are chubby. That's okay. I was a real chubby baby. Me too. Fuck, I was cute. Real chubby. My head was massive. My dad (laughs) called me a watermelon with legs. Well, I was the, uh, that's that's very funny to imagine. Yeah, I was cute. I was the opposite. I came out quite thin. Mm. Then gorged myself on food. Yes. Ate so much that I had really bad diarrhea. And oh. there was a photo of me uh, in the hospital a few days old and with my bottom out underneath a sun lamp because of how much. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> a few days old. Yeah. How did you eat so much in a few days? I gorged myself, Jess. Uh-huh. I was like a Roman. What were you eating? Pizza? <laughs> yeah, what did you have? You don't eat, don't Ninja eat the Turtle? Street. The pizza's in those Bay of Marie's. Yeah, <laughs> no good. Don't I do it. Pizza, three hot dogs, two potato cakes, a couple of sausage rolls. Oh. Yeah, oh, that will give you the shits. Cake. Of course that yeah. will give you the shits. <laughs> yeah, I paid for one potato cake, but they gave me two, of course. <laughs> and you never learnt how to eat properly beyond that. No. You still don't know how to cook. I don't know how to shit either. I have a sun lamp every night. <laughs> well, how does the sun lamp come, sun lamp come into it? It only has healing properties. But... Butt healing? Yes. It heals your butt. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. That. So, um, can it well, tone your butt? I will not be posting that photo uh, online, but. Good call. Go. Can good it call. lift your butt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what I want. They thought I had a uh, drooping. He's got um, a little flat butt. Yeah. Give this baby a booty. Stat. <laughs> <laughs> I need 10 cc's of hot. <laughs> Forget squats. Get it under the lamp. Yeah. Fuck. I've been doing squats all year. I feel like an idiot. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're making a few sort of judgments on, on Lindy. It's also worth noting at this time that Michael Chamberlain served as minister of Mount Isa's Seventh-day Adventist church. So the media were pretty quick to make judgments about the family. Oh. Even back then they were an anti-religious guy. Well, maybe it was that, it, like, he's the not wrong Catholic. Kind of religion. Yeah, I don't really get what your religion is. So, so you're not Anglican, you're not Catholic. You're so not... what are you? Right. Because those are the two options. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, so is that that's an American church? Is I it? think so. I don't yeah. really know heaps about it, to be honest. So for them, there's two two options: normal and not normal. Yeah, and you're. But even like even normal, if you're a Catholic, if someone's an Anglican, that's not normal. Oh, so yeah. this is yeah. not not. This is really. It's weird. still Christian. Yeah, I know. So it's it's, that's so, one it's of the, the wildest same. things to me is that there's been wars fought between people who slightly believe in Christ slightly differently. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know heaps about religion in general, so I don't know a lot about. Seventh all day I know is that's what Jesus would have wanted. Mm. You know, he was all not about, my Jesus. He was a pedant, wasn't he? You're saying it. That's not exactly right. So I hate you. That was what Jesus was about. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, we agree on something. Very strange. Um, so the police report also says this. To date, we we do we. Wow, really? Quite a stumbly <laughs> report. I mean, we knew it was sloppy police work, but that's terrible. I mean, to get an editor. <laughs> was that a lot of ellipses or whatever they called? <laughs> and I um, uh, guess that um, I just let me get, uh, Dave, get my words here. What were we doing on the plane uh, the other day? 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. No. Oh, my favorite impression of a, of a cap, captain on an airplane. And uh, we are uh, cruising at uh, about uh, 18,000 feet and uh, we will uh, prepare the come for landing. Ah, good fun. Anyway, the police report also said this. To date, we have actually not one oh, witness. She's finally gotten a gear here. <laughs> we... Actually, we have actually not one witness who can say they saw the baby at Ayers Rock, but people who have assumed she was holding a baby when they've seen her holding a white bundle to her breast. Are they saying the baby never existed? Yeah. They're saying the baby was a hoax. They're saying, well, I mean, there's no witnesses that have seen the baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were, but they're like, nah, no witnesses that have seen. I've never seen a baby. Who's paying attention to the baby? She's in a bundle. Oh, yeah, that bundle's crying there. Yeah, I bet. Probably had a Walkman in it with some sort of a some sort of a prehistoric speaker system. Do they have them back then? I doubt it. Some sort of radio transmitter? It's like, oh, who's paying attention to the baby? Everyone. Everyone likes to look at babies. Oh, yeah, yeah, everyone. It's a no. normal, if it's a normal thing for people to do, then me too. <laughs> she was she was acting suspiciously. People were like, can I see your baby? No! no absolutely not. She's shy. <laughs> You can look at her from a distance, but where, please... Where? Oh, she's crying now. <laughs> Confirm that you saw her. You're, you're upset. Great. Get you're a photo. Get a photo of my bundle. Here's Not you guys. Ezra, all the way behind me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Anyway, oh, that was okay. a little suspicious. That's wild that they... Okay, so I... The police are like, well, I mean, prove that there was a baby. <laughs> I've never heard that before. First, they think they've named her sacrifice in the wilderness. Yeah. Now they think she didn't exist. She didn't exist. exist anyway. What you did... You named your baby, who doesn't exist, sacrifice in the wilderness. But that's also, a fact. That's that's all a fact. So where do we move from here? She didn't exist. But also earlier in the same police report, they were talking about the doctors who treated this baby uh, only months ago. They spoke to doctors who confirmed they treated the, the child. Were on it. They were just so distracted by looking up the name that they forgot to look if the baby was there. Oh, they're yeah. just like, well, that's a blanket, so I guess it's a baby in there. Mm, I'm a doctor. You got a blanket, you got a baby. It's very <laughs> strange. You, you um, that a lot. I found this really great resource, famoustrials.com, um, and it went through everything. <laughs> this is a little paragraph from it now. Um, in places around Australia, ranging from laboratories to w- wildlife parks, investigators... I say laboratories. What do you say, Dave? Uh, laboratories. Okay, there you go. Um, investigators conducted experiments to test the veracity of Lindy's account of Azaria's disappearance. Blood, vegetation and hair samples found on Azaria's clothing were examined. Dead dingoes shot at the Ayers Rock region followed the, following the disappearance were dissected by vets looking for either human bone or human protein. So weird. They also got them, the dead dingoes, to um, try to carry buckets of sand. And yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't, <laughs> couldn't do, do it. it. Couldn't they do couldn't do lift it. it up. So, couldn't lift their head. Oh, you reckon they could pick up a baby? Case closed. They can't pick up. It's, I mean, this dead dingo can't pick up shit. Then you must have quit. <laughs> <laughs> um, tears to, in the fibres of Azaria's clothing were studied as well. Did the tears appear to be caused by a dingo's teeth or by some human instruments? Mm, did they know what was causing it? <laughs> like a banjo or... At um, Cleland Park Wildlife Reserve in Adelaide, dingoes were tossed meat wrapped in babies' nappies so that the nappy could be studied and compared to Azaria's. 
From these various efforts, investigators began to build a case for murder. It that, sounds like they lost their mind. <laughs> they lost their fucking mind. Is there a moment when you're throwing a nappy filled with meat to a dingo and you start to question, what am I doing? What am I in this business for? <laughs> what am the, I hoping to find the here? justice, the truth, Jess. I don't I'm want dingoes to be blamed. <laughs> meat filled nappy. Case for murder against a baby that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I it's think like that's double jeopardy. Get your fucking story straight. They're, they're just throwing so many different things out there. <laughs> um, they that no one ever saw the baby, but someone did see a nappy filled with meat being thrown on the barbecue that night. <laughs> All of a sudden, that cops back with a. With a nappy full of meat in his jaws. Can't even carry it. Can't even make it all the way to the barbecue. I've been crawling to the barbecue. (laughs) The barbecue. Oh, Oh, no. no. I did not. No good. Sorry. Oh, that was an offensive pun. (laughs) It was not. It was not. It was an offensive misspeak. (laughs) I plead the fifth and not guilty. I'm going to America to plead the fifth. There was also rumours that the Chamberlains were somehow linked to the Jonestown mass suicide two years earlier. Oh, my God. What? How? Um, uh, no, Is that cause, were they vaguely related churches or something? I, I, well, I tried to look into that. I'm not really sure. Maybe. But also I think it was just like something kind of weird that had happened and they were now saying they, this couple is weird. So we're going to just lump the two together. Right. I heard they started World War Two. Yeah. Really? So. Yeah. Dave, I'm pleading Beethoven's the fifth. That's the disco version yeah. from Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> <laughs> and live from Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta over there. A little quiet time for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Man is having a quiet time. Um, so, yeah, they thought uh, some people linked it to Jonestown or others said that she might have been killed to atone for sins of the Seventh-day Adventist church. I mean, who's saying this? Just, just This is just rumours. People are saying this. And they're writing these rumours down into their official police reports. The media is... Completely fucked oh, this whole my. time, by the way. It's a total trial by media, which is such a weird cliched phrase to throw around, but it very much is. So an inquest was um, – was uh, what an inquest done? Set up? Yeah. <laughs> Arranged. Held. 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 Thank you. Fuck. Hold them close. Oh, that's another thing. People were also in suspicious. <laughs> but uh, no one's seen the inquest. People were also suspicious <laughs> that Michael and Lindy's uh, demeanour didn't match what they would expect from a couple that had tragically lost a child. Oh, God. I think we've now figured out that people deal with grief differently. Yeah, But it's shock- funny that not that long ago people were like, well, there's one way to grieve and you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I think I'd do, even though I've never been in that horrific situation exactly. and I pray I never will. Ugh. But if I was... I wouldn't look like that. <laughs> it's really strange. Bizarre. You're not crying enough. Yeah. No, too much. <laughs> yeah, too much. You're crying too much. That's You're faking it. Suspicious amount of crying. It's fucked. Oh so the first God. inquest into Azaria's disappearance took place in December of 1980, four months after the incident. TV cameras filmed a lot of the proceedings. It was the first live telecast of Australian court proceedings. Ah, oh, because we don't really do that. No, of course we don't. Why would you? It's big in America, isn't it? They do... Broadcast but, the big cases, do they? But do they broadcast the whole thing or just like... I'm thinking of Judge Judy, aren't I? 
Yes. <laughs> they might do the... There is trial by Kyle now, so we've got that. <laughs> they might broadcast things like the sentencing and stuff like that. Jess wasn't joking. There's a real show in Australia called Trial by Kyle, and it's hosted by a radio shock jock. Yep, and that was definitely stolen from my radio segment. Oh, dog, dog axe. Yeah, it's the same thing. There was also Husey, We Have a Problem, and which, that was exactly the same as Text Therapist. Which we happened to come up with. Which we one? Dog Dog Axe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dog Axe you helped me come up with. We came up with Husey, We've Got a Problem. <laughs> oh, no. We said, what we got to get I didn't is... even think about that, Jess. Can we sue? Can we go on trial by Kyle and be like, actually, this show is infringing on our personal copyright? I don't want to ever talk to Kyle Sanderlands. <laughs> okay. And I think we'd have to to be on his show. But that could be real good for us. Oh. We could be on trial by Kyle. I don't want to be on trial by Kyle. It could be our big Kyle. break. Oh, yuck. I reckon they'd actually put us on if we were talking... Talking about the show. <laughs> That'd be quite funny. Anyway, try by Carl. It exists. Anyway, <laughs> sadly, it does. Um, okay, so uh, Ashley McNay for the Northern Territory laid out the case for human intervention in Azaria's death. He argued that the evidence suggested that the clothes were put in place, not dragged by a dingo. Moreover, he added, the damage to the clothes is inconsistent with being caused by a dingo. He questioned Lindy Chamberlain but generally failed to show her as a mother with either the will or motive to kill her own child. So he was kind of like questioning her but not getting anything. And what's his profession, sorry? Uh, He was just working for the Northern Territory. Okay, right. He was a dramaturg. (laughs) He did a lot of research into into the historical period of the play. I'm an expert on Bertolt Brecht. I failed to see how that's relevant. Guilty! (laughs) It feels a lot like that in this trial. Um, he had a powerful voice. I agree with him. Yeah, all right, I'm with this guy. What a beautiful does he speaking say? voice, played by Brian Brown. <laughs> How you going, guys? The role of Ashley McNay will be played by Brian Brown. You know when they announce the yeah. understudy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and everyone's everyone's going to collectively hold in their sadness. So like, yeah, tonight uh, the role of Harry Potter will not be played by Daniel Radcliffe. It'll be played by some guy called Chris. <laughs> Boo! And it turns out Chris is amazing. Yeah. Chris is great. And then Daniel Radcliffe has to come back because he's just having a day off and he comes back and everyone's like, bring back Chris! Where's Chris? We love Chris. Chris I didn't know you were such a theatre head, Dave, uh, referencing a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look... I had to go with the masses. Look, I, I just think he did well. I just referenced Bertolt Brecht, mate. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's lost the what masses. What a fantastic name. Fantastic. Bertolt, Bertolt Brecht. Brecht. Anyway. Um, Get Brecht. <laughs> oh, you got Brecht. <laughs> got Brecht. <laughs> Alice, Springs, That's good stuff. Alice Springs magistrate and coroner Dennis Barrett ruled that Azaria met her death when attacked by a wild jingo whilst asleep in her family's tent and that neither of her parents were in any degree whatsoever responsible for her death. So that's the, the basically the result of the inquest. The, first, the initial inquest. Is saying, hey, they're not lying. They're not lying. They're not in, it's not their fault. Good. Okay. We um, apologise for putting them through this probably. Imagine that. Yep. And that absolutely should have been the end of the case. Uh, And it was not. So the Northern Territory Police and prosecutors were dissatisfied with this finding and investigations continued, leading to a second inquest in Darwin in September of 81, so the following year. That's pretty irregular, isn't it, to not want a second inquest? And a third. (laughs) Spoilers. That makes it sound like, oh, that's not the one we wanted. Yeah, sorry. Go again. Exactly. Two out of three. Yeah. Best three out of four. Not guilty. No, I reckon he did it. Go again. 
So based on ultraviolet photographs of Azaria's jumpsuit, a guy called James Cameron of the London Hospital Medical College alleged that there was there was an incised wound around the neck of the jumpsuit, in other words, a cut throat, and that no dingo had been involved in her disappearance. When she was told this, Lindy apparently said, I didn't know there were any dingo experts in London. <laughs> Burn! Yeah. That guy got brecked. Yeah, oh, he got brecked, man. He got turtle brecked big time. Um, there's what, some great the, stuff about James Cameron coming up. What, the inci- he said it was an incisor wound? I think so, yeah. Incisor obviously- wound. Doesn't isn't that a thing a dog has an incisor? I I don't know what an. Incisor I'm throwing is. his testimony out of my court. Don't worry, you wouldn't be the first, and you shan't be the last. <laughs> um, the second inquest into the death of Azaria opened in Alice Springs on December 14, 1981, before Coroner Jerry P. Galvin. It was alleged that Lindy Chamberlain took Azaria from the campsite on the evening of the 17th of August, 1980, and murdered her in the in their yellow Tirana with a sharp instrument, probably scissors. So that's a type of car. Type of car. Classic Aussie car. They claimed that she had hidden the baby's body in a large camera case, and then it was alleged that at a later time, while other people were um, searching the campsite, she disposed of the body. The best part is, and I think this is sort of in a later inquest, I didn't write it down though, but they sort of like, they came up with their own timeline of what of what she would have done and it was like fucking wild and impossible. But they're like, yep, so that's it. Like, so she had to go to the car, kill the baby, somehow put blood in the tent and then um, go back. Oh, she had to get baked beans from the car because she comes back to the uh, campsite and she fed Aiden some beans. We know that. People saw her do that. So she had to do that um, and then she cleaned that up and then she went back to the tent and she pretended that she – like it's just – it's it makes no sense and it's impossible. Like the amount of details they had to make up. Totally. Like the camera bag, that just would not be true. Yeah. And there'd be no traces of any of the the DNA blood or anything in the they camera. They found canine hair in the tent and the Chamberlains did not have a dog. It's like, I reckon that's they, they that's a pretty good clue. So they I think, didn't realise, because this is a famous case in Australia, yeah. I always assumed that there was for some reason... Reason for doubt, but it doesn't. It just sounds like they were they lost it. It was some sort of weird because the media religious profiling thing. It was like fifty fifty. Some people were like they're innocent. Some people thought they were guilty. There was sort of no. It was huge. It was this huge thing in Australia. Yeah, I feel a little bit uh, guilty to admit that my mental association with the case is that the family are a bit dodgy somehow because there's been so many inquests. But hearing it, they don't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! 
You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I use to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sound like it at all. No. I hate that I had that. But of course you did because that's what we would. That's yeah, what we were raised. I never looked into it, but now you're reading out the stuff. It's like what? Yeah. One of the main things I I remember knowing was that she did not react right. She did not grieve yeah. properly. Yeah. And that was one of the big things. And that was like the court of public opinion. Well, like, that's it. And she's what... not really grieving, right? That's not what she's looking very stern. That's not how I'd be handling it. Bizarre. I think people sort of like looked at her, looked at the way she looked, looked at the um, like the church they were a part of, and just went, "You're a bit odd. I'm making a judgment on you." And by and by odd, I just mean like not the complete status quo. She wasn't like there's nothing strange. And then now they're alleging she's some sort of criminal mastermind. Totally. She kind of just re- from the footage I've seen, she's just sort of reacting with a stiff upper lip, you know, like yeah. what, what is often seen as being a, a virtuous way of dealing with things. Oh, it's real tough times. Stoic. But she's being stoic and she's keeping the family together and they're like, that's not right. But they've got she no, should be a mess. no motive as to why she possibly would. They do have a motive. She named her. Yeah, that's sacrifice of the wild. Sacrifice of the wild. Yeah, so just that you're right, Matt. The stuff they had to make up to fill in this case to suit their outcome was very strange. Many of the questions directed at the Chamberlains concerned the presence of blood in the family car. So it was a biologist called Joy Cool who testified. Joy Cool. K U H L Cool. I guess. Holy shit! That is a sick name. It's a good name. Joy Cool. <laughs> Wait, is it actually? Is it an awful name? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I can't tell. It's one of those ones that's on the border. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like I called to the stand. Joy Cool, and the whole courtroom goes, what? "What? What the hell is that?" And she walks in with sunglasses yeah. on. Yeah, everywhere she, she goes, bursts she's like, in the door. This happens everywhere I go. <laughs> she was a biologist, and she testified that she found um, testify fetal blood beneath the passenger seat of the Tirana. So am I saying that right? Fetal blood. Fetal, like a fetus. Uh, yeah, baby blood. So, and I, yeah, I, ex- I will explain what that is. Did I put it there? I didn't. Huh. Maybe I'd put it later. I'm just going to keep reading and hope I get to it. Great. <laughs> um, James Cameron, he's back. He claimed in his testimony that the tear found on Azaria's jumpsuit could hardly have come from a dingo. It's more consistent with scissors, he said. Um, by the way, James Cameron had also given crucial evidence in a case in England which was later overturned when his expert evidence was proven wrong. So it's good to be using him again. This is when he got into making movies about blue people. (laughs) A reporter from Sydney called Malcolm Brown uh, made this comment about the case and the two inquests. Malcolm Brown. Mal Brown. He was one of the baddest men in uh, VFL-AFL history. Just a real bad guy. 
or not bad guy, like a fine guy probably, but he just punched a lot of people in the football field. Right. He also said this about the two inquests. Big bad Mel Brown. I bet he said something real bad. <laughs> I want to punch the inquest. <laughs> he said the first inquest was about dingoes. This one's about blood because that's all that, all that the prosecution had. The key evidence supporting this allegation was the jumpsuit as well as a highly contentious forensic report claiming to have found evidence of fetal haemoglobin in stains in the front seat of the Chamberlain's car. However, evidence was presented that adult blood also passed the test used for fetal haemoglobin and that other organic compounds can produce similar results on that particular test, including mucus from the nose, so snot, or chocolate milkshakes. What? So there was some kind of stain on the seat. That's all. That's all I have. Jeez, science had come a long way in 1980. <laughs> it's either fetal blood or boogers. adult blood or boogers <laughs> or Big M. <laughs> oh, it's a liquid, though. We're confident it used to be liquid. Pretty confident. Or like a gel. We think it's either a gel or a liquid or maybe some sort of a dust. It wasn't a gas, though. <laughs> Almost definitely not a gas. <laughs> We're 95% sure not a There's some chance it's a 75% gas. 75% <laughs> sure it's not a gas. But definitely there, we think it was a stain. <laughs> we think there was something there. Oh, no, it was a shadow. Never mind. <laughs> you can't trust a family that stains their car. I mean. <laughs> they're clearly murderers. Chamberlains, they're famously a strawberry milk kind of family. So it's definitely not chalky milk. We're putting that out. There's no chalky milk here. <laughs> No one's drinking chocolate milk in this car. Let me tell you about that. It was, it's that is wild. When you said highly contentious, I'm like, oh, let's see how contentious this is. Is this high? Oh no, it is. That quite is contentious. High. That's higher than I was expecting. I think just the first fact that like adult blood could be yes. could match as well. Like. Oh, anyway. So Lindy Chamberlain, she's questioned a lot about the garments that Azaria was wearing. Do you like milk? <laughs> Don't you like milk? Answer what the question. Milk? What flavour milk? What milk? Look at me. Drink? Look at me. Do you like milk? Don't look at them. Look at me. What drink? What milk you want? I'm getting you a milk water flavour. Say it quick. Don't think. <laughs> Say it quick. Don't think. Oh, Banana. Nesquik. Is it Nesquik? <laughs> chocolate. You like chocolate milk. Admit it. Admit it. I don't. Wait. Sorry. No, you don't. I mean, you no. don't like chocolate you milk. Don't like, you don't like chocolate milk. You don't like chocolate milk. You. I rest my case. <laughs> Lindy, do you bleed? Do you bleed? (laughs) (laughs) So they're quizzing her about the clothes that Azaria was wearing and she claimed that Azaria was wearing a matinee jacket, it's basically a cardigan, um, over the jumpsuit, but the jacket was never found. Oh, okay. How convenient, they Mm. said. Mm. Even like, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that, it's so dumb, but. Any of that stuff where you're going, uh, you don't have all these fine details down properly, even though it, that's not proven not to be the case. But even if she remembered her wearing a jacket and she didn't on this hectic night. Totally that's not the, the most end of the traumatic world. thing you've ever gone through. Yeah. But, like, okay, so if a dingo took the baby, it's taken the clothes too, and a little cardigan's going to come off. It could be anywhere out. It's a very big place. Oh, oh, so naive, Jess. So naive. (laughs) Cardigans never come off. Cardigans never come off. I tried to remove one with my mouth (laughs) and I couldn't do it. (laughs) And if I can't, how could some dumb dingo do it? While also carrying a bucket. I put a cardigan on a dingo and tried to rip it off with my teeth and I couldn't. So I think that proves my point. But (laughs) also, can I just say, side note, that dingo looked real cute. (laughs) That did look cute. (laughs) 
Going on a matinee performance. He's a cosy little dingo now, isn't he? Went to see uh, Harry Potter at the theatre. <laughs> oh, Chris did a great job that night. Chris was fantastic. And do you know what else was real cute? That dingo used those little opera goggles. It was very cute. What are they called? Binoculars. I love those little dingoes. I like to call them opera goggles. Also, by the way, I married this dingo now. <laughs> then I tried to ride it like a little horse. <laughs> Couldn't support my weight. Couldn't even support my weight. I mean, tiny little jaw. Bloody pathetic. I'll rest my cars. I was sitting on its mouth. <laughs> Couldn't even carry my weight in its jaw. I don't know who this character is, but I love it. I think he's like John Lincoln. <laughs> I'm married to a dingo now. <laughs> we like a simple life. Um, in her defence, though, uh, eyewitness, eyewitness evidence was presented of dingoes having been seen in the area of that night. Uh, I mean, I already mentioned three just within that one barbecue mm. area. Um, all witnesses claimed to believe the Chamberlain story. One witness, a nurse, also reported having heard a baby's cry after the time when the prosecution alleged Azaria had been murdered. So... I don't know why they mentioned that she's a nurse. Maybe it makes her feel more credible. But they're like, look, a nurse heard a baby. Um, so they, are they saying that uh, if the baby was already dead, we wouldn't be hearing it? Yeah, like, yeah, she, okay, yeah. Azaria has already been murdered. Has been murdered. Pre-murdered, put in the camera case, whatever. Yes. She's not going to be screaming out. Right. Yeah. You're not going to hear it. And the nurse is like, no, I heard a baby. And Pre-murdered. <laughs> if the baby's been pre-murdered. <laughs> this is something that Dave just said. <laughs> You can go to a supermarket, get a pre-murdered chicken. Oh, well, you, that you, is you can. Kind of, yeah, that's you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> what yeah. A, yeah, what a modern world we live in. No, it's very exciting. Could I get one pre-murdered chicken? That's what you used to have to say. But now they only do pre-murdered ones, so you can just say chicken. <laughs> you don't it's, have to specify. It's much quicker. Yeah. They don't generally hand you a live chicken and they go, oh, did you mean pre-murdered? And you go, uh, yeah, no, recently. <laughs> What am I, dingo? Now, if you want a live chicken, you have to say, can I have a non-murdered chicken? Yeah. Then they know what you mean. Also, you can't get that at shops. you got to go to a farm. Uh. One non-murdered chicken. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's weird. This one died of natural causes. Um, There's an engineer. I'm going to have to be more specific. (laughs) One live chicken. (laughs) It's like there's such an easy word for it. One not-dead chicken. Um, An engineer called Les Harris, who had conducted dingo research for over a decade... Okay. So what do we think about Les? I reckon he has lots of friends. I think he's going to be a quirky character. He said, contrary to James Cameron's findings, a dingo's uh, teeth can shred through material as tough as motor vehicle seatbelts. Wow. I could have just said car seatbelts. He also cited an example of a captive female dingo removing a bundle of meat from its wrapping paper and leaving the paper intact. Because you know how they were like, oh. the nappy's not all shredded up too much. Right. Um, evidence... So they're, like, they're quite neat eaters. Yeah, and this is someone who has studied dingoes for a decade. <laughs> evidence Dang. was also presented to the effect that a dingo was strong enough to carry a kangaroo and a report of the removal of a three-year-old girl by a dingo from the back seat of a tourist's car at the same camping area just a few weeks before uh, was also witnessed by those parents. A three-year-old? Three-year-old's a little bit bigger than a nine-week-old. Is that true? Just saying. Okay. Yeah. I have to trust you in that. So um, so hang on. Hang on. Let me just summarise for you. Okay. So we've got an eyewitness account of a dingo picking up a child much bigger. In the uh, same place. In the exact same place, only a few weeks earlier. Uh, we've got somebody who has studied dingoes for a decade, uh, saying that they can actually uh, rip through things like really tough 
materials, so clothing and uh, nappies and stuff like that would be very easy. But James Cameron from London gave evidence that based on studying plaster casts of dingo jaws, it was impossible for a dingo to open its jaws wide enough to encompass a child's head. That is based on looking at a plaster cast of okay. a dingo. He went to yeah, a bit of what a plaster of Paris or whatever it's called. He got, a, he got a glitter on it, mm-hmm. he painted it, got it put in the kiln. He got it all green and sparkly. Yeah, obviously. And then, yeah, he um, he put his head green. in, which is basically a baby's head. Yeah. He's got a baby's intelligence. So he put the plaster cast jar and it couldn't get around his head. Isn't that fucked? That he's like, nah, but... Why are they going to this London guy? I have no idea. He's been discredited sounds, once before. it sounds like he's the kind of the guy who goes, what do you want me to say? Because I'll say it. Yeah. But why... why does the Australia? Why does the Northern Territory Police want that answer? Because one guy has like the feeling. I reckon. I reckon they're lying. Yeah, they just don't believe it. So they're they, shopping around. They don't the... like her, so they don't believe her. Maybe it's that. And she's a little bit slightly strange religion. These to them sound yeah, like they real don't cowboys. It. And it does sound because it, it sort of almost sounds fair because you've got on the one hand you've got a dingo expert, so mm. you've always got to have balance. Yes. So they've got a guy who clearly knows nothing about yeah, dingoes. Not he's never seen a dingo in never, his life. Well, he's seen a plaster cast. True. Sparkly. And he tried to open it, and he's like, "That won't open far that enough." Won't open, so. Um, because it was uh, it had hinges. Yeah. That were too tight. Okay. But yeah. The, once but, I put it in the kiln, it wouldn't move at all. So unbelievable. I mean, it's it's amazing that dingoes can even eat anything. A dingo would have to snap its face in half to eat, and I've never seen one do that. <laughs> they you? can actually only eat butter beans, so it's yeah. pretty tough for dingoes. Swallow them whole, and they don't. They're not Australia's native beans, so <laughs> they they've actually all died out from their extinct. They, they don't exist. They can't eat. Yeah. So and neither so, did that baby ever. No. So, um, and also, we live in a simulation. Uh, <laughs> The earth is flat. Yeah. So the defence's case was rejected act- by the Sorry. jury. Do you believe that, Dave? Everything I've said today, I believe. You believe the earth is flat? Yes. He just said it. He admitted it, Jess. I've posted about it on Instagram. Jess doesn't even look surprised. Didn't we know this? Maybe we did. You don't have a great memory or listening skills. That's, That's true. Those things are true. Admit hmm. that. Whatever you just said. <laughs> I can't remember and I didn't hear it anyway. <laughs> I actually think the Earth is flat on one side, and then oh. there's several other sides because it's more of a pyramid shape. Oh, more of a trapezoid. Yeah, <laughs> trapezoid. Yeah. Ooh, you've, you've heard of these pyramid schemes? <laughs> I think of this one more of the trapezoid. Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah, you mix trapezium with trapezoid. Trapezoid. That's a, a new shape that I've come up with. I like it. Copyrighted. Trapezoid. So despite um, people like James Cameron being batshit, uh, the defense's <laughs> case was rejected by the jury. Lindy Chamberlain was convicted of murder. What? On the 29th of October, so 1982. This, so this is more than just a, a hearing now. This is actually a, a, a criminal trial. Yeah. Okay. Wait, a jury? A jury. So a jury going, well, this dingo man's got some fancy words, but look at her. She's stoic. Yeah. That's not right. But Guilty. also, I mean, this was such a hugely publicised case that everyone on the jury has already got an opinion about her. Right. This is all... I no longer trust the system. Well, that's why we have subjudice here where you can't... You have to be very careful with court reporting because you can influence 
the people's opinions on someone and then they end up in the jury. But now this has already been going for two years. People have already made up a mind about her. And and so whatever... They're post-judicy. Whatever they hear (laughs) that supports their opinion, they'll believe. But Hmm. the judge would have said at the start, guys, just... Put that out of your mind. Out of your mind. And they would have done it. that, yeah. Of course. Yeah, that's true. Normal people without any legal training would have done that. Yeah. So she was convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. Oh, my God. And Michael Chamberlain was found guilty as an accessory after the fact and was given an 18-month suspended sentence. All right. I'm almost like it's almost something nice about You know, it's the nightmare scenario where no one believes you. Yeah. But at least they both are like, we know we didn't do it. That At least they had each other, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's, but obviously it's separated it's a, now. It's a horrible and awful situation, but at least you know someone believes you for real. Someone knows the truth. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I'm just thinking of those, you know those nightmare thriller movies? Yeah. Where you're, everyone's like, no she's one believes lost you. her mind. But you're like, no, I'm the only one who's got my mind. Yeah. And then you start to think you're crazy. Yeah. And this, you start yelling, I'm the only one who's got my mind. <laughs> it's not helping. It is not I've got my mind. <laughs> Look at me. I've got it. It's you who does not have your mind. <laughs> I have my mind. Release me. <laughs> it was you who was in Unhand the Unhand me, officer. I was just eating a succulent meal. <laughs> succulent Chinese meal. A succulent Chinese meal. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to receive my limp penis? Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, type succulent Chinese meal into YouTube and enjoy what is honestly probably the funniest video on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um. So Lindy's been sentenced to life in prison. At the time she was sentenced, she was pregnant with her fourth child. Oh, my God. I, I don't think I've ever been angry in this studio. I'm so angry. So she was taken from prison to hospital to give birth to a girl named Kalia. Lindy said in an interview recently, it was a very painful process, actually, because I knew the minute she was born, they were going to take her off me. So every moment of birth, I fought it. I was like, oh. you keep her inside and she's yours. The minute she's out, she's not. Because they've just been like, it's been a couple of years. They're sort of as best they can going about their lives. They didn't think she was going to get life imprisonment. So she just, didn't do it. They're just growing their family. No, she didn't. She did, and they had a hearing that said she didn't do it. Yes. Yeah, we so, believe you. You didn't do it. <sighs> I mean, no spoilers or anything. I'm assuming she didn't do it. That sounds like all the evidence. I mean, you are pretty biased. Um, yeah, I'm definitely presenting a very even, biased case. How even know about the dingoes? Uh, I know they can't open their mouths, so... I know dingoes can't melt steel beams. I know they're they're (laughs) either solo or in packs. I know that. Mm, One of the two. Can't trust them. I've seen them at the zoo and they're a little bit cute. Yeah. There. I said it. (laughs) Everyone was thinking it. Dogs are cute. Anyway. I've got my mind! (laughs) It is you who do not have your mind! But in 1986, another person's tragedy would see a dramatic turn in Lindy Chamberlain's Wait, what? case. 1986? Yes. She's been in jail for five years or something. Like, yeah, three, four years. Without her baby, her new baby. Yeah. And she's lost her other baby. Yes. And her and being accused of murdering And obviously baby. her two older boys are, you know, uh, older now. So she's been away from her kids. And so then what are they out in? They were in foster care. Well, they would have been Michael with Michael, I assume. But he didn't he get he out suspended. What's a suspended sentence? Oh, right. It goes on your record, but you don't. If yeah. you do anything a time. in a certain period, then that gets doubled I guess on so, your yeah. sentence or whatever. 
So the, the kids are at least still with Michael, but Lindy's in jail. So 86, an English hiker named David Brett visited Uluru in January of 86 and climbed the rock one evening. Unfortunately, David fell and was killed. Eight days after his accident, his body was discovered below the bluff where he'd lost his footing in an area full of dingo lairs. As police scoured the area looking for missing bones that might have been carried off by dingoes, they discovered a once white jacket of a baby. It was Azaria's missing jacket. Whoa. A matinee jacket. A matinee jacket, yes. Inside one of the burrows. Uh, just like in the in the area close to where the where David's body fell. Right. If at he'd Uluru. fallen anywhere else, she might still be in jail. Yep. How t- and how terrifying shit. is the phrase like what all those dingo lairs? If you yeah. Fall yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So dingo lairs right there at the Uluru. Ba- the base of Uluru. Yeah. Whoa. Well, because there's all. I mean, it's a it's an enormous. Have you been there? We didn't. I talk haven't. About no. That. I haven't been, I haven't been I'd love either. to. No. No. We, I've we... only been. A, I've been to Darwin. I went to Simpsons Gap. Yeah, I was with you. Yeah. We went to Alice Springs. Simps- what, it's not called Simpsons Gap. That's the... That's the the uh, English name. Yes. But uh, be- beautiful. And that was just outside of Darwin. But I've yeah. never been anywhere near the... the, the dead, just outside the of Alice. Center, dead center. Yeah, sadly, Gap. I... Um, Alice, sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's Alice. Went to go in year 11 as a camp to Kakadu National yeah. Park. And on the way there, you go through Uluru. But I got very sick with tonsillitis. Aww. But I didn't want to miss out on the whole... Camp. So, four days in, I met them in Alice Springs oh, just okay. after they'd been to Uluru. So, oh, and then I picked up and had out. a great time, but just missed out on seeing. Yeah, it. I would have liked to have gone while we were in Alice Springs, but it's like a four-hour drive from there or something. We couldn't have done it in a day. But it's truly beautiful. But it's massive, and there's all sorts of like other there's um, other formations and and stuff around it. So it's a huge area. So just by chance, by luck, oh, yeah, really, so they found the they found jacket. a jacket that they were like, "What jacket doesn't exist?" But it did. Simpsons Gap is called Rungjup, uh, Rungut Jerpa, Rungut Jerpa. Right. Um, so given the scepticism prosecutors had expressed for Lindy's story about the missing jacket, there seemed little choice now. The chief minister ordered Lindy's release from prison. Really? Can you do that? Well, yeah. I suppose I, so, yeah. I guess I found new evidence that... So but they don't have to have another trial. It's just a guy can... So she's been overall. released from prison, but obviously people are still like... You killed your baby. Right, because you were found guilty. And yeah. then you put the jacket in a dingo's lair. We all know Somehow you. from prison And then you, you pushed that. a man off a cliff. Really? But, do you think she did that? There's a lot of effort. No, I do not think that. Just the record. In 87, a royal commission began and investigated it even further. So this is seven years after it happened. They're still in court. It's just a nightmare. So uh, May of 87, Justice Trevor Morling issued a 379-page report. One more page, mm, just, yeah, Trevor. The end. Fuck. One more page. Oh, that's a Bye, Trevor. Pa- page that just says the end on it, though, right? Mm. Right on a couple more paragraphs. Anyway, um, <laughs> in summary, I'd love to say thank you so much for reading, uh, taking the time. It really does mean a lot. This has been a lot of effort on my part, but I can't. Um, stress this enough that without an audience, these <laughs> words are nothing. Mm. You know, without a reader, what is a writer? Mm. But a but a bonkers man in a room, tippity tapping on a typewriter. But not for me, as you are here today to see these words on the paper. 
the end. I'm afraid you've just gone over to 381. <laughs> Gonna have to write another nine pages. <laughs> but it's not to the end. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? <laughs> uh, For it was I! <laughs> it was I who had the succulent Chinese meal. Anyway, so he's released this um, very big report, critical of the investigatory techniques of Joy Cool and James Cameron and other key prosecution witnesses in the trial. He put great weight on the cre- uh, credible accounts offered by the Chamberlain's fellow campers, noting it is extraordinary that the persons at the barbecue area at the time of and immediately after Azaria's disappearance accepted Mrs Chamberlain's story and noted nothing about her appearance and conduct suggesting that she had suddenly killed her daughter. So he's like, you really needed to listen to the the people that were actually the witnesses there. more because they were like, yeah, we, you know, like she wasn't covered in blood and holding a knife. Mm. Um, Morling concluded, I am far from being persuaded that Mrs Chamberlain's account of having seen a dingo near the tents was false. And he also said that if the evidence before the commission had been given at the trial, the trial judge would have been obliged to direct the jury to acquit the Chamberlains. So he was like, this is all just a big fuck up. So on September 15, 1988, the Northern Territory Court of Criminal Appeals unanimously quashed all convictions against Lindy and Michael Chamberlain. A month later, the Chamberlains held a victory feast and invited guests at... A succulent meal? (laughs) (laughs) They held at the Avondale College Cafeteria, and among among those they invited... um, uh, the Chamberlains invited defence witnesses and lawyers, a couple whose daughter was taken from their car by a dingo, a journalist and politicians who'd supported them during their long ordeal, and their lawyer Ken Crispin in a speech praised the Chamberlains for being remarkably free of bitterness or self-pity. So they're having a bit of a celebration. That same year, 1988, a film based on the case was released. It was called Evil Angels in Australia. It was released as a cry in the dark outside of Australia. So what we talked about earlier, it starred Sam Neill and Meryl Streep, which is a wild choice, but also a fun fact, and I don't know if you guys know this, and if you do, I'm going to feel like an idiot for being so excited about it because I didn't know. I was excited when I first heard it, I reckon. Do you know what I mean? The de- It was also the debut role for Melbourne comedian, actor and friend Nicolette Minster. Really? One of her siblings. <laughs> she played Carlia Chamberlain. She oh. played Meryl Streep's daughter. Her so first good. ever role was a four-year-old. <laughs> I had Nick on First Date with Jess, and we talked about all sorts of stuff. She didn't fucking mention this. And then she goes on Dan Connell's podcast, and I'm listening to it because I love Dan Connell and I love Nick Minster. And he's talking about it, and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) That's crazy. She plays Meryl Streep's daughter. Her first ever role is a four-year-old. I think I might have heard her talk about it on Josh Earl's podcast. Yeah, right. It blew my mind. I was like, like, you know the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? (laughs) I was like... Uh, one to Meryl. Oh, easy. Meryl knows Kevin Bacon? <laughs> <laughs> I assume. She's Probably. Meryl. She would. She knows everyone. Such, like, yeah, it's, that's so cool. Blows my mind. And I just, I know Nicolette, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you know her. I know her. We're pals. Okay. Wow. Yeah, if I see her in the street, it wouldn't just be like a, a nod. Like, we'd stop and chat, you know? Holy moly. Yeah, we're that close. <laughs> and I imagine the next time... I know what you're going to mention to her when you stop and No, chat. I'll ask her how she is, Matt. You'll ask how Meryl is. Yeah. Yeah, how's Meryl? Yeah, that's Kev- what I meant. <laughs> she is Meryl. She, yeah, yeah. How is she? The royal she. <laughs> also, I didn't know this. Meryl's performance received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress of 89. Damn. 
One of her 21 or whatever it is nominations. Really ridiculous. Wild. And in 1990, Lindy wrote a book called Through My Eyes, and in the book she said that the film was 95% accurate and that no other actress would have been able to play her better than Meryl Streep. Wow. It's like, okay, you think the best actress ever, is no one could do one. a better job. Okay. That's, that's badass. Pretty crazy. In the last pages of her book, Lindy wrote, and now we wait. We wait for the Northern Territory to pay us what they owe. And uh, that day finally came two years later when she received $1.3 million in compensation from the Northern Territory Government for wrongful imprisonment. That is probably not enough. Probably not enough. But even though she's free and the government's admitted wrongful imprisonment, the public was still split on whether or not she was guilty. Like, oh. So she's still just trying to go about her life, but like people aren't trusting her or they do believe her, but they, some don't. And, and I think that's how we kind of came to know that name because it was always sort of like a... But did she? Yes, I've had that association until oh. tonight, and I feel bad about it. But I've done like I've done no research into it. You're just a kid, and you just sort of yeah, take you what pick, it is. Pick up society's view totally, and it, yeah, it was kind of like a oh, but you know, oh, it's kind of like an OJ Simpson thing in a way, <laughs> you know. Except the it's kind opposite. of the reverse. Of that. Yeah, I know, but like, but we all still think he's guilty. Yeah. Whereas they then proved that she wasn't, and we're all still like, right? Yeah. Wait, that's kind of the same. Anyway, I've confused myself. <laughs> um, the Chamberlains actually got divorced in 1991 and Lindy remarried a guy called Rick Creighton and she's now known as Lindy Chamberlain Creighton. And Michael also remarried a woman named Ingrid Bergner. <laughs> Ingrid <laughs> Bergman? Whoa. You Bergner? paused at a real funny yeah, spot sorry. there. Ingrid Burr? I couldn't Blur? see my screen properly. Burr Blur? And they had another daughter as well named Zara. And in August 2010, on the 30th anniversary of the death of Azaria, um, Lindy appealed on her website to have the cause of death amended on Azaria's death record because it was still saying unknown. Right. Even though she'd been, like, acquitted, like, she was free. Um, so just to wrap up. And did that hasn't happened? In February 2012, a fourth coroner's inquest into the death of Azaria Chamberlain was opened by Territory Coroner Elizabeth Morris. Morris considered new evidence concerning dingo attacks on humans, including three fatal attacks on children since the third inquest, before concluding in an opinion announced on June 12, 2012, that a dingo did indeed kill Azaria. Uh. Morris wrote, The evidence is sufficiently adequate, clear, cognate and exact to exclude all other reasonable probabilities than that a dingo entered the tent where Lindy and Michael Chamberlain's young child lay resting on August on on that August night 32 years earlier. Lindy Chamberlain Creighton stated the obvious when she said, this battle to get the legal truth about what caused Azaria's death has taken too long. Still, however, she took consol- uh, consolation in knowing you can't, uh, you can get justice when you think all is lost. Um, she hoped that her baby's death helped convince Australians that dingoes are dangerous animals. Um, and she said, we live in a beautiful country, but it is dangerous and we would ask all Australians to take proper precautions. And even with the case of the death on Azaria's death certificate changed from unknown to dingo attack, the Chamberlain's attorney, Stuart Tipple, great name, wondered whether any amount of evidence would satisfy some Australians who still blame Lindy. He said, I could show them a video of the dingo taking the baby and it wouldn't convince them. Wild that they have such. Who's got such a strong opinion on something that I always find that weird when there's a yeah. experts have gone through it and it's like, oh, this is pretty open and shut. Yeah, but I've got my doubts. Exactly, I've got a feeling. Yeah, real weird. And just like a couple of extra uh, things. Um, this is something that Lindy said. Uh, she said she holds no grudges for a false imprisonment. 
You totally could. But she said, if I, I would. if I hadn't gone through all that, we wouldn't have the laws that we've got in Australia right now. We've got an independent forensic science now. It used to be all police. And as a result of that trial, um, if I'd been let out at the time, if I'd gotten a not guilty at the trial, we wouldn't have those laws. There are things that there are things that what's happened to me has been able to make it better for other Australians and for that I'm grateful. So that's... She just sounds like she's... Uh, Pretty level-headed. She was on. Level-headed. She was on, um, uh, what's Ando's show? Uh, Farnsy, Arnsy and Farnsy. <laughs> the show where Ando, he sits down with a guest and he interviews them, but while he's interviewing them, he paints them. Man, he's so good. He's incredibly talented. And um, Lindy was on there earlier this year, actually, and uh, she... She revealed this as well. So, because remember, the four-year-old Regan was in the tent as well. Right. He was sleeping in the tent. Lindy put uh, Azaria in there, but they thought he'd just sort of slept through it all. Um, She goes, the first time that we knew that he was awake and remembered anything was when we got a new dog. He was lying on the floor and the puppy ran over his back and he sort of sat up and went, oh, he like shuddered. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, oh, that's just like when the dingo walked on me. And I said, but I thought you were asleep when I came in. And he said, nah, when you first came in, I thought it had come back to get me, so I played dead until you kicked me and spoke. So the kid felt the dingo and people were still like, nah. Yeah, well, I guess. They're not going to listen to a four-year-old in court if that's where you're going. No, no, I just, I yeah. Is that the first time that came out? Years later. Wow. Yeah. What a huge thing for that kid to hold on totally, to. Totally, yeah, but like he didn't even realise. But anyway, uh, let's think more about her being very cool and saying she's grateful she went through it because it means better laws for all Australians. Yes. Yeah, wow. I, I remember as a kid there, there used to be a show called Good News Week. I don't know if you ever Good any... News Week. Yeah, I loved it. So there, And one time, I don't know why it was in the news, but it was obviously in the news for some reason, one of the the monologue jokes that Paul McDermott did was, he goes, there's going to be a new opera about the ordeal called Domingo Took My Baby. He was one of the three tenors. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, I just, I, I don't know why that is still stuck in my head all wow. the time. That really stuck for you. <laughs> Domingo Took My Baby. <laughs> it is crazy how it did become a real source of comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not, what it's what I mean. It's a, br- it's a baby. It's, it's a, an awful thing to have happened. It's so bad. This is, that's one of the hardest stories we've ever had on this show, yeah. I reckon, to hear. I didn't really think that through before I... Uh... Yeah, well, well, it's so interesting. and I'm glad you did that because I just did not know enough about it. Totally. Neither did I. And I think it is one of those things where, like, we've just kind of grown up knowing that that, that person or that name was a bit of a joke, I guess. Yeah, it is, a, it's just word. a bit of a joke. And it's so terrible because it's like one of the biggest miscarriages of justice in our country's totally. history. And then to think about how awful it would be to lose your baby and then to think about that people are like, nah, you did it and when you didn't do it. Oh. And then to go to jail yeah. for four years. And then to only get let out because someone else died. Yeah, like, like a what chance. If, what if he'd not fallen? Who knows? Maybe they would have found it eventually, but it could have been... Decades later, she could have. It could have happened after she'd already but passed away or something. In that time, other kids have been taken by dingoes, exactly. and no one went. Oh, hang on. Maybe it is possible. Bigger kids were taken. Ah, uh, never happened before. Yeah. Nope. That, I hate that kind of. When you're talking about someone's 
whole life, mm. and like, and you're so like, um, it's such a throwaway thing that nah, couldn't happen. You probably shouldn't be a cop. Yeah. Um, Do we know what happened to that James Cameron bloke? I nah. hope that he was discredited forever and. We don't, but we do society. know that VHS was first released in oh. 1976 and DVDs in 1996. That's both in Japan. So so VHS was around for a good 20 years before DVD. Yeah. And then I guess when did DVD start fading out? Maybe they both had about a 20, 20 years in the sun. Maybe Probably. DVD not quite as much. Anyway, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show. <laughs> I, that was my favourite section of the show. Well, because I was just warming you up for fact, quote, or question with a little fact of my own. But mm. here it is. Here is fact, quote, or question. The jingle goes like this. Trip. Fact, quote, or question. Bing! Now, last week I had to try and do that on my own whilst quietly talking into our Zoom recorder, and it did not sound as good. Hmm. So we're now. So what have you learnt, Dave? Great to have you back. Thank you. So you can get involved in this if you support us at patreon.com slash dogoonpod on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Package level. RIP. And uh, this week uh, we've got two great fact quote or questioners, including long-term friend of the show, Mark Chopper-Reed. Chopper! You also get to give yourself a title. He's given himself or he's stuck with the title of Dugo on Dorman. No, Dugo Dorman. (laughs) Because he helped us yes. at the Manchester show last year. He what did. a bloody legend. Great. And he's asked this question. Astronauts versus cavemen in a fight. Who wins? Oh. Uh, I say cavemen weird? Cavemen. Cavemen. <laughs> well, I figure, like, astronauts don't have weapons on them. No. Well, they do have, like... But, but do cavemen? They yeah. might have some sort of bat. Oh, okay. But so might, might an astronaut. But, but, but uh, cavemen would be used to, like... Fighting animals, yeah, you'd think they'd be they'd be, but they'd be weak from not getting enough nutrients. I feel no, like but a, a, the caveman were they quite as... short too? Yeah, but I th- I feel like they were just like they would have hard skulls. Mm. Mm. But an astronaut has the helmet to protect their skull. Oh, so you're thinking astronaut in the full suit? I think full that's suit. cumbersome. But astronauts, I, I'm going to say nerds. cavemen. Astronauts are nerds who've never had to be. But they, they can do real quick math. Yeah, they're great like in the space. But maybe they, they can figure out the angles that it needs to do. I you say know, like Sherlock as well. Holmes in the in the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Yes. Where he's like doing the sums in his yes. head. And then he beats them up with the yes. sums. He, he beats people up with maths. Can you <laughs> believe it? Maths is cool. Yeah, oh, maths I've, is cool. I've said that a lot. But I'm still saying cavemen. I'm going to back astronauts because of their uh, advanced suits for protection, I believe. And also, I just think they're pretty badass. A lot of them are former military people. I reckon the cavemen are going to choke them out with their suit. <laughs> also, I think cavemen would just shit themselves when they see these astronauts coming towards them. I also no think cavemen have pet saber-toothed tigers who are going to eat the astronauts and then you're going to look like a dickhead. And are these cavemen just – the astronauts might be coming straight from space. They're all emaciated or whatever. Imagine how jet-lagged you'd They're be. all emancipated <laughs> from the spacecraft. You'd be so jet-lagged. Mm. Yeah. You lose a lot of weight in space. <gasps> you do? Yeah. I'm in. Because you have to shit into a suction cup. <laughs> ah! Yeah, that's right. They're probably, their whole, their whole suit is just like full of shit, right? Yeah. You have and to shit ca- into a suction cup? Yeah, it's a weird I don't process. enjoy that. Yeah, because I guess otherwise it just floats, it floats away. away. Oh, that's is sucks. it clear at all? A vacuum is what I was looking for. Anyway. Suction cup. Yeah. Is it clear at all why he would have asked us that question, Mark Chopper-Reed? No, he's just asking. Is there a thing 
Is that a big thing, astronauts versus cavemen, or is that I've never just heard something of that's been bugging it's him? A new band. Just we because start. I, I've never heard of it doesn't mean it's not a cool thing, though. Not in the zeitgeist. But if I haven't heard of it, it's not a cool thing. Thank okay. you. I know all the cool things. Triple J. <laughs> Call in. Who do you think would win? No, four three nine seven five seven triple five. And we've uh, all accidentally given out our own phone numbers at some point. Did you just do that? No, no, that was that was the Triple J text line. Okay, well, thank you so much, Mark Chopper Reed, for that fantastic. Maybe question. let us know, Chopper. Who do you think would win? Yeah, that's Have right. We missed something critical here. Chopper, text in because oh four three nine seven five seven triple five. Also, uh, on the what do we call it? The Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Package Edition. Rest in peace, Kathleen Moody, and Kathleen has given herself the title Mage of Magic Hands. Oh, I like that. That's Mage. Like a- of magic hands. It sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Yeah. Am I saying Major M A G E? Or is that Magai? It's a uh... Or Major. <laughs> yeah, it's that it's one. Pronounced Majorman. Majorman of Magic Hands. Major. <laughs> and Kathleen asked the question. Well, hang on. I should say for people listening for the first time, I don't read these before I read them on the air. Kathleen writes, I'm currently living in Kansas, but I'm a Texas girl at heart. So my question to each of you is this. If you were to live in the Wild West, Mm -hmm. which character archetype would you be? Bracket. Example. Cowboy. Indian. Gunslinger. Gold Rush. Oregon. Trail Traveler. That's one thing, I think. Oregon Trail (laughs) Traveler. Sheriff. Or etc. Oh, I think we know what Dave would be. What would I be? Town Drunk? Sheriff. Sure. Matt's oh. the town drunk. <laughs> no, I was like, no. town drunk is an option? <laughs> no, I want to be – can I not be town drunk, but can I be one of those angry guys at the bar? I was going to say, you're definitely a glass polisher. Who said, <laughs> you know from around here, huh? <laughs> the doors open, the music stops. Yeah. Oh, who's playing the piano? <laughs> it's a player piano. No. Yeah, we don't need someone to. Too I'm good. so lazy. I took lessons on how to play the player piano. <laughs> wow, that is lazy. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield guest starring on The Simpsons is Larry Burns. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to be a gunslinger. I reckon that suits me, great. don't you think? So you're a yeah, gunslinger. Like that. I'm a sheriff. <laughs> let me just tell. Let me just tell. And, that's uh, not a, is that a sheriff voice? That's my, that's Dave's yeah, sheriff that voice. Yes. That's deputy. That's sheriff. You're Goldworthy. a deputy. Oh, yeah. sheriff, sheriff Goldworthy. Uh Kathleen does say, P.S., some context about my title. I'm a massage therapist, and a lot of my clients, when I was starting out, said I have magic hands, so I just rolled with it. <laughs> Bet you would get that a lot. Magic hands is a high compliment for a masseuse. Yeah, you love a bloody masseuse, don't you? Magic hands. Magic hands. All right. Well, I, yeah, I think, so what have we got? We've got, I'm I'm the barkeep. Mm. I was picturing myself on the other side of the bar, but you turned me around. You've got me behind the bar, Dave. I was thinking oh. I was one of those guys sort of hunched over at the bar. Right, I thought going, you were... Whiskey. I th- getting drinks, and then the music stops on the player piano. Can you, uh, can you not see Matt standing behind the bar? I reckon that dude's often heavily bearded. Well, I'm happy with that role. Matt's definitely at job. the bar, yes. Yeah, but I thought you're the guy who's... You're still drinking a lot. I like the other... One for you, one for me, you know what I mean? Sliding them down the bars. Mm, yeah. And then you. the brawl gets, it, gets going. Oh, what, I just duck down. Got my two-shot gun. I'm a pretty big gun Just expert. Just in case. Is that a kind of gun? Yep. As a gunslinger, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sick. I love Texas. We should go there. 
Thank you so much, Kathleen Moody. Thank you, Kathleen. And now it's time for us to give some, give a little bit of love, give some shout-outs to some of our people who support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dogamonpod. We can get uh, two bonus episodes every month that no one else hears and a bunch of other rewards. And normally we, well, we always play a bit of a game, and I've thought of one. Remember how um, uh, they figured out what Azaria's name meant? Yes. What if we gave them name meanings? Oh, great. Do you like that? Uh, do they, all like their names the make them seem guilty of a crime? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or it could just be a nice meaning, yeah, Dave. You don't yeah. have to be a fucking psycho. Uh, but, well, you, right. you, you, you laugh maniacally. Well, you laugh well. I bloody... Ooh. That's you. That's what you sound like. I do impressions now. You're very good. Here's a... Matt. Uh... <laughs> oh, you got my number. <laughs> so um, can I start it? Yes, please do. I would love to thank from Christchurch, just across the pond in New Zealand. A beautiful place. A gorgeous place. I was there earlier this year. I miss it already. I would love to thank Alexander Jones. Alexander Jones. I believe Alexander Jones is a, a podcaster. He does a podcast about um, <laughs> the films of... Um, Air Bud, the Air Bud cinematic universe. That is awesome. That's it, great. If I'm thinking of the right guy, he got in contact this week because uh, Primates last week was about finishing the um, Most Valuable Primate trilogy, which is a it's a side hustle for the auteur Robert Vince, <laughs> but what who a was also world. involved in the Air Bud <laughs> movies. How many Air Bud movies are there for it to be? Well, I think he, I think he did. Uh, 18? There's Air Bud. 18! Because there's like snow, something like snow oh, puppies. snow dogs. Air. So he'd be wealthy from that. Yeah. I think That's awesome. I think he might be Canada's um, wealthiest film. <laughs> He's Canada's Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. He's an auteur. The auteur, Robert Vince. But what does Alexander mean? Ah, uh, what does Alexander mean? It means uh... puppy lover. Loves the pups. Oh, that that does make you sound guilty of a crime. Yeah. Wait, what? Been a dog lover? Puppy lover. It doesn't have to be of a crime. Doesn't have to be of a crime, Dave. No. Oh, if my crime is loving puppies on film too much, then I guess I'm guilty, Your Honour. <laughs> well, lock him up, boy. Ah, no, wait. <laughs> no, I was being dramatic. Wait, oh, no. Not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> too late. Um, there you go, Alexander Puppy Lover Jones. Guilty. So guilty. Okay, we'll just give them their name meaning and if they're guilty or not guilty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would also love to thank from Ottawa oh. in Canada. I would Ottawa. love to thank Chris Fournier. Oh, Fournier. Fournier. <laughs> that actually means uh, celibate rifle, which is <laughs> a rifle that... Yeah, it never, never sh- shoots blanks. <laughs> it never shoots blanks. No, it always, <laughs> it always shoots blanks. Shoots blanks. Right. Okay. I don't know. Celebrate Rifles is uh, those. It's an Australian punk band from the seventies and onwards. But I, it's I don't also know I, what Chris means. Well, hornier is the opposite of that, but fornia is where the celibacy comes from. Yeah. No, I get it. So celibate rifle. I enjoy that. Yeah, he's That's a great. celibate rifle. And he is... He's got a gun, so people know to be wary. But he's but not guilty. He's, he'll never use it. Yeah. Oh. He's a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Puppy lover. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> not a puppy fighter. Uh, they're, they're all puppy lovers. 
<laughs> thank you to Chris and Alex there. I'd love to thank, uh, for, again, from Canada, also the homeland of the auteur Robert Vince. <laughs> <laughs> from Whistler, beautiful uh, ski town. My brother, I think, spent some time there skiing a few years back. Jack Walker. And Walker, obviously, meaning to scoot on one's bum. Ah. Uh. Ah, oh, the, the bum scooter. Yeah, you know how little kids do that? Sometimes before they walk, they just kind of scoot on their butt for a yeah, bit. Yeah, puts a, a wheel between the cheeks and yeah. scoots. <laughs> scoots. Guilty. Guilty. My, my booty scooting baby is driving me crazy. <laughs> That's him? Yes. That was one of his. He's a booty scooting. He's a booty scooter. Booty scooter. So thank you, Jack Jack Walker, Walker the booty scooter. <laughs> I'm a booty scooter. <laughs> and I'd love to thank from Birmingham, in Great Britain. Well, we will be very, so very soon. soon. And so will he be. It's Gary J. Gary J. Gary J from the UK. Oh, <laughs> Gary J. Uh, certainly in our Gary Listener Hall of Fame. Is in our, oh, yeah, we we got to formalise the Gary Listener <laughs> Hall of Fame. So what does Gary J mean? Or it's just the surname we're doing? It can be either. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear what Dave has to say about this. Either um, Gary or J. He who eats exclusively... From the lunch menu at Greg's. Whoa. Even for dinner and breakfast. Yeah, it's weird. Hmm. Sometimes if they've run out of lunch stuff by dinner, he goes hungry. Oh. Sorry, Gary. Just buy Joe. double at lunch. I've told him that. He refuses <laughs> to do it. He likes to roll the dice. Classic Gary. Classic yeah. Gary. Gary J. That is so good. Gary J. And you are guilty of being a connoisseur of Greg's. Yeah. And we'll see you very soon, Gary. Good on you, Gary. I would like to thank you if I can to take us home now, all the way from Oslo in Norway. Hell yeah. I would like to thank Erica Dela Cruz. Ooh, great name. Ooh. Erica, Erica Dela Cruz. Holy moly. Norway. So Dela Cruz. I mean I, I think this has got a, a literal meaning that I know. It's um <laughs> Here we go. I'm so excited. It is of <laughs> It's the, and it's whining and, and dining. Oh, of the whining and dining. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah, that's her family made her business back in the day. The whiners, they were diners. I think we should set a Patreon goal, right? Mm-hmm. Where if people contribute to our Patreon, we will pay for Matt to get improv classes. <laughs> <laughs> Because Sorry, he stopped send me after back. a certain Don't level. send me back. You mean even more? <laughs> even more improv classes. I've really. Got... Sorry, I mean he will set up an improv school and teach improv. Yeah, of course. After the show, I'm going to explain to Jess what improv means. <laughs> I th- I've done it before, but I'll have to do it again tonight. Uh, so, Erica Delacruz, Oslo's <laughs> finest winer and diner. Winer and diner. Uh, and with no pressure on her at all, I can't wait to hear what Jess comes up with. Cause for the last one. Oh, fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for listening in Norway. That is very, very cool. And finally, from London, another city that we will be in next month. Very soon. Two dates there in London. Uh, sec- the f- original show, which is the nighttime show, was sold out. few tickets left for the matinee if anyone would like to join us, which I hope this person will. I would like to thank, from London, Asad Tarhini. Oh, fantastic, man. Mm. Thank you, Asad Tahini. And Jess, here we go. Improv. Mind open. Give me an offer. No, I'll give you an offer, which is Asad Tahini, and then you accept it by saying that that means... Yes, and Tahini is a spread made mostly with chickpeas. Oh, improv isn't just saying a, a thing that what means mean? a thing. That's what it means. Oh, is it? Is that what it means? I do have to get back. 
Gotta get back How would you improv that? Sorry, improve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good improv. That is good. Probably with some olives. Ah, yes. Kalamata. <laughs> oh, that's the only Love family. them Kalamatas. Kalamata. I only improv with a jar of Kalamata. <laughs> I'm going to call Asad uh, Tahini. Um, one, say, one of the best names in the That place. is one of the best. Should we say um, the human olive? Oh, the human olive. Guilty of loving Guilty, olives. Yeah, exactly. The saltiest man I've oh. known. <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah, so, good in salty. A good way. A fan, oh, fantastic name, fantastic work. Thank you so much to all of our fantastic... See, I'm, I'm, I'm using a lot of different words here, like fantastic, mm-hmm. um, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on fun. Alexander, Chris, Jack, Gary, Erica and Assad. And I'd also like to thank for the first time ever we're going to be... We're opening up the Triptych Club. So any of our supporters who've been on the um, uh, on the shout out level or above for three plus years get entered in to the Triptych Ooh. Club. Dave's going to make a page on the website where these names are going to go up. If you can figure out how to do it, gold sparkly letters. If not, probably black. Probably black or yellow. I don't think it does yellow. Okay. The internet's not that good here. <laughs> I don't think it does yellow. <laughs> Even though our logo is definitely yellow. Um, I don't no, I don't think it does yellow. No, no, no. thank you. That's so cute. We've got quite a few because this this is three years since we opened our Patreon. That's right, because this week, uh happy fourth birthday, by the way, Carl. Oh! Yeah. Four years since we uploaded our first three episodes on uh, November the eleventh. So we look... oh, and then we started our Patreon one year later. Yes. Yeah, so we look oh. really bad for four. <laughs> you know? I reckon I'm looking great. We look cooked. I've never looked this good. I'm peeking right now. Ah. I have a, a small beard now. Yeah. Let me have this. I'm not stopping you. I'm just saying You're for a four-year-old. You've got a George Lucas-esque small beard. Thank you. That's what I've always wanted Yours you to Yours is say. probably even smaller than his somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it is. Uh, so there's a there's a few to go in this week because these are all inaugural, basically. First week um, joiners of the club. Piet Free. Dave, how do Pete. I say? Pete. Fuck. <laughs> I would have not a it. strong start. Pete Free, uh, Zach so, Steinbacker. Three years of un- uh, mispronouncing your name. Sorry, uh, Zach Steinbacker. Yes. Hannah Scollard. Oh, I love all these names. They're always the frequent collaborators with us. Chris Brockett, <laughs> Elijah Shelley, Adam Stoltz, Janine Stephen, Megan Ansell, Jess Newton, Justin McCain, David Malofsky. <laughs> Mr. Justin McCain. Becca Buck. Becca Buck. And Chrissy Della. Oh, you legends. Yes. They're from, they're from uh, the USA, Australia, and Great Britain. Thank you so much for that. Thank people. you so Three much. Three years. Amazing. Thank you so much. Legends, one and all. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Dave, do you reckon by Wednesday you can get their names up on the website? Probably not. <laughs> but sometimes. We've got a soon. lot to do before the UK. Yeah, sorry, we're drowning in reports here. Because, um, have we announced this on the show yet? That we're working on something a little bit special. The Patreon people know about it. They do. Have we mentioned it on the show, though? Which maybe we won't fully mention it just yet, but we are... There's something cooking. Something's a-cooking here at uh, Do Go On HQ uh, that will be uh, hopefully coming out next year. Yeah, you'll be able to see that early next year. Or hear it. Or both. Or consume it. Yeah. We might be making a cake. Cakes and cookies for all. (laughs) Oh, yum. I need a cupcake with my face on it. Mm, Me too. Uh, I'm not about I meant my face. I love cake. Let's get cake. Can we make... Can they be mud? Mud cake? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. I like red velvet. What I do like you like? Cheese or ice cream cake? Yes. Okay, we've got an assortment of cakes. Love it. Something for everyone. Let's get out of here. Yeah, so thanks everyone for supporting the show at Patreon. It means a lot, a lot to us and, uh, yeah, it really does change our lives. keeps the show coming out every week for four years now, so appreciate that. If you want to get in contact with us or buy tickets to the shows or buy merchandise, we'll send you a T-shirt anywhere in the world. You can go to dogoonpod.com. Always appreciated when you uh, hit up the website and click the links, uh, which also takes us to the Patreon too. And you can also click through to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel where on the YouTube channel we have uploaded that UK tour diary that I mentioned at the top of the episode. And there will also be a little link to that in the this week's description of the episode. So if you want to watch our faces do stuff that's not a, a podcast... <laughs> We ran around the UK and filmed it. What a weird way to say it. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> but that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, I will say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.